our series on parables. How many of you are enjoying, uh, you're, you're enjoying the series that we're doing, right? Powerful stuff, amazing stuff, um, and it's just so, so good. Um, you know, if you look, and, and Vic might have said this uh, before, but there's over 40 different parables, right, in, in Scripture. There's like some 46, you know, and uh, that Jesus taught. That's a lot of parables. We're on week four. You guys buckle up because this is going to be the longest sermon series of your life. I'm just kidding. It's okay. Sorry. Anyways, all right. So, but we're going to continue this morning um, talking through the parables that Jesus taught. And I'm going to make a pretty bold statement, all right? And I will get to that in a second. But this is the parable of the sower and the seed. Let's see. Got to turn this on. They told me that before we got up here. All right. All right. We got the sower, the seed, and in this is the soil, all right? Some of you might have heard this story, and, you know, I know I've heard this story growing up, and it's a story uh, that Jesus has taught, and it talks about a farmer, and he's planting seeds and all this stuff in different types of soil. So you go through, and you listen to this, and you're like, okay, he's talking about a farmer that's planting seeds. Some of them don't take. Some of them do. You get crops. You don't get crops. You're like, well, that's kind of, you know, that's normal, Right? That's not what he's talking about. And I, the, the big, bold thing that I'm going to make a statement is that this is one of the most important parables that Jesus taught, all right? And I'm using Scripture to back it up. So, you know, it's not just me. It's Scripture. But um, look at this in um, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And so Jesus had went out, and he had taught this parable, all right? And his, he was sitting with his disciples, and his disciples were like, okay, well, Jesus, you're saying this, but what does it mean? And so Jesus said to them, if you cannot, or you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how do you understand all the other parables? How will you understand all the other parables? So that's where my bold statement of this is one of the most important ones comes from, all right? This is in between when Jesus told it and when he's talking to his disciples, okay? So he goes and he says this, and it's really, really important. And this is, I'm excited to teach about this today because I'm not teaching y'all, I'm teaching myself. It was very fun to go through this, and it hurt like heck at the same time because um, God revealed a lot of stuff in me that um, just showed me what this actually meant, all right? So let's look at the parable. If you got your Bible, turn it to Mark 4, um, it's 3 through 8, all right? So this is red letters, and what does red letters mean? This is Jesus talking, all right? And so it said, then, um, listen, a farmer went out, and I've got to change this, I'm so sorry, Bo. There we go. All right, so it says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, all right? As he scattered it across this field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, all right, some rocky soil. The seed sprouted quickly, but because the soil was shallow, all right, the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. 
okay? The other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, okay, and this is, this is the good one, all right? Other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted, all right? So, we read that, and if you're like me, you read that, and I'm kind of like the disciples. I can just picture them saying, okay, Jesus, there's a lot of... How, it, how many of you are farmers? Raise your hand if you're a farmer, um, you have a farm... None of you are raising your hands, and I know a bunch of you are farmers. Chris, I see you back there. Maybe you don't garden, but we'll get there in a minute, okay? But we got farmers, all right? And I just picture this, and like the disciples are thinking, okay, Jesus, you're saying a farmer got some seed, and he's going, here's some seed, here's some seed, here's some seed, all right? And he's just planting these seeds, and some of them are falling on these different types of soil, all right? Okay, what is a farmer? Why is Jesus talking about a farmer? All right. And so digging into this, really looking through this, I want us to write this down. If you have your notes, write this down. God is the sower. Okay? The word of God is the seed, and our hearts are the soil. That makes so much more sense to me. You know, it's not just some fields that he's talking about. It's not just soil. It's our hearts. God is the one that is the sower, okay? He is the farmer. He is planting the seed, and the seed is what he is saying. And it's so cool because God's word has life. When God created, he spoke, all right? And so God's word has so much. It's life. It's blessing. It's, it's just encouragement. It's everything. And he's speaking. He's sowing everywhere, but our lives, our hearts, are the soils. All right? Does that make sense? Yes. yes. You guys are going to have to help me out this morning. I told Victor I was going to shoot to beat him time-wise. So you guys got to help me, and uh, we'll get there faster, okay? All right. So it's like this to me. First, we got the path the seed that fell on the footpath. And so this is where Jesus is sitting down. He just told them, if you don't understand, this is in scripture, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest? So Jesus starts explaining what they mean, all right? And this is 4.15. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, not only to have Satan, or only to have Satan come, at once and take it away, all right? So he, God, is saying, he's, he's planting that seed, all right? And what do you think of when you think of a footpath? You think of something hard, hard like that, right? I was gonna bring a paver in here, and I was like, you know, that's just a lot of work. I can't just get this big table, have different pots and plants. So I had these pictures, I was like, it's just too much. I don't need to, don't need to get. So um, you have this path, all right? And you can see it. And I love thinking about it this way. You have all this beautiful field around it, right? You have all the, the soil. There's nothing growing right there, but everything around it is growing. Here's the thing that I, I look at 
whenever I look at this scripture, this description, um, it's so easy, and I'm not talking at you, I'm talking to myself too, and I want you to write this down, so this is your first filling, you're like, holy cow, we're already at the first filling, we're rocking, all right, so, but I want you to write this down, the path is like someone who is passively listening, all right, you're like, um, okay, well, what does that mean? So, when I think of it, all right, it's like when we're sitting in church, and I never do this. I promise. I'm just kidding. I do it all the time. But it's like when we're sitting in church, and we're hearing all the right things. We're hearing the word. We're hearing it. We're at a life group, and we're hearing what's been, been said, and we're hearing everything that, that God is saying through other people. We're hearing all the right things. We're sitting there in worship and we're singing the songs and it's not, our heart's not there, okay? We're just passively listening. We're hearing all the right things. All of the right things are there for the word to grow, God's seed to grow. But because we're not listening, we're not really letting it take root, it, it can't because we're, our hearts are too hard. And so you have a path. It's like a path. And Satan will come, and he picks it away. Does that make sense? It's super easy. Because we can be hearing all the right things. I also think of it like this. And I, I think it's funny because do you guys ever just sit there and, like, kind of daydream, like, what God is doing right now? Like, if God is looking down at me, you know, if you did something wrong, you're like, oh, man, God's up there shaking his head, just stuff like that. Well, I picture um, when it's like, like this, you have all the right things around you that you need for God to be blessing you, for your not life to take the next step. But <laughs> it's like a lot of you parents out there, you'll understand this, and I know you will. It's like whenever your kid is sitting there and you're like, hey, do something. All right, and they hear you, but the TV is talking, right? So they're glued on the TV. And you're like, hey, do this. Hey, do this. And it's not clicking. It's not. And then finally, you have to go up. This is what I do with my daughter. I spank her butt. If, yes, I do spank her butt. It's okay to spank your children. Um, I spank her butt, and she starts crying. And I look at her in the eyes, and I say, if you would listen the first time, we wouldn't be here. I know you parents are like, yes. And my parents, you know, they will be like, yeah, we did that with you too. You know, it's, and I just picture God up there going, listen, if you would just listen, your life would be blessed. Your life would be blessed. All right. So that is the heart, like someone who's passively listening. We check out. We could be hearing it all, and we just check out. All right? And then we go on to the next one. And this is the, the rocky soil. All right? So this has good soil, but mixed in with it, and maybe underneath are the rocks. And this is what it says. It says, the seed on the rocky soil that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy, all right? But since they don't have deep roots, okay, they don't last long. 
they fall away as soon as they have problems, all right? Or they're persecuted. That's right, you know? All right? So, I got to stick to my notes. I told myself, sticking to my notes, sticking to my notes, all right? So this is what we have. We got rocky soil. And if you're native to Arkansas, you're like, yes, we know what rocky soil is, okay? <laughs> you got rocky soil. So you see there's little green things every now and then. Um, best picture I could find. I'm so sorry. But this is, is what he's saying. It, it represents those who hear the message, okay? They're immediately filled with joy, but because there's not, the roots aren't deep enough, it, it, it dies, okay? The rocks represent to me in our hearts. So if you're thinking about rocks in your hearts, this is what rocks would represent to me. Bitterness, resentment, guilt, you know, all these things that we take and we shove and we, we, we push it way, way deep down, okay? Season after season, things that are coming into our lives, issues that we're bottling up. And, and I just want to stop and say that I believe as Christians, a lot of us have this problem. I know I do. And you know why? It's because it's easy. We say it's easier instead of just dealing with it to just push it away. Like, okay, we're going to push that to the back of my mind. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Okay? And then it just keeps causing problems. Okay? They become these rocks, this resentment, this guilt, these lies, okay? They become the very parts of our lives and our personalities that will reject the will of God. They do. They do. It's all these issues and all these things, and we hear it, we hear the word of God and we're joyful about it. When we first hear it, we're sitting at church and we're joyful. We hear it, we're happy, we're like, okay, I'm on fire for God right now. I feel that. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna just start praying right now. And then we go and we're still happy. We're out of church. It turns Monday and we're still, okay, woke up the next morning, I'm praying and all this stuff. And then Tuesday comes and it's like, God, where'd you go? It's because the seed's roots couldn't get deep down in our heart. Because there's things there that we haven't dealt with. Right? And I know, I, I, I'm not the only one. And it's just weird to me. That it's so, and, and it, it is, it's so easy to just push it away, try not to deal with it, and just get through it. But the thing is, is it always comes back. The rocks are always going to be there unless they're dealt with, they're picked out. Am I making sense so far? Y'all are way too quiet. It feels warm in here. Whew. So I'm going to just take a deep breath. My goodness. All right. So because there was no depth for us to receive what God was saying, the word, out, the word turned out not to be fruitful in our lives. All right. And so we're going to move on to the fourth one. So this is the seed that fell among the thorns, all right? This represents 
others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries. Everyone say worries. The worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the, everyone say, desire for other things. So no fruit is produced, all right? In, in another version, it will say right here, it says, the, the cares of this life, all right? The deceitfulness of riches, all right? And the, the, the desires for other things, all right? And so this is where we're going to take a lot of our time today, in this, this part of the scripture. And it's because this is where I struggle most and just talking, especially to our youth, to different people, Christians struggle a lot with this. And it makes sense. You know, it does. We, with our thoughts, our attitudes, our appetites, <laughs> we have the capacity to strangle or to put a choke on the promise of God over our lives. We do. We have that capacity with our thoughts, the things we think about, the things that just pop up. We do. With our appetites for our things that we're just wanting, that we, oh, we need, we need, we need. And I, I think it's really cool, um, Victor's message last week, uh, talking about the fool. You know, that was a good message, wasn't it? And like, golly, was I a fool? Am I a fool? You know, I was sitting there asking myself that so many times. But it, it really ties into this, and, and we'll get there in a second. But so here we have the thorns, the weeds, thorns, weeds. That's ugly. We don't like that. Are, are any of you in here, I asked if you were farmers, no one raised their hand. How about gardeners? Do we have any gardeners in the house? Okay, okay, you know. I like to think of myself as a helper of gardening because I help my parents out. They are gardeners. They grow so much stinking green beans and okra. It drives me nuts. They did cucumbers, all this stuff. My mom's like, hey, I got another jar of pickles. And I was like, okay, well, the last one you did for Fourth of July, you tried to turn it blue, but it was like, it was actually blue and it was worrisome, you know. Um, they grow so much food, it's ridiculous. Um, but they, they are, they're the amazing gardeners. Their garden, they have so much food that they produce every year. They make salsa and all this different stuff, and it's amazing. Um, and if you are a gardener, you know that gardening takes a lot of time, right? Yeah. It takes a lot out of you, and it takes a lot to tend to what they're doing, all right? So, uh, and keep in mind, I still help my parents, but what do you have to do when you have a garden, all right? You, you got an outside garden, what do you have to do? You have to put up a barrier, okay? You got to put up a barrier so animals don't get in. All right, we live in Arkansas. A lot of you might use lead poisoning, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, makes sense. If you're a really bad shot, you might blow a pumpkin up on accident, but hey, it's okay. You did get that squirrel, that rabbit. Um, so you got to do that. You got to put up burials. You have to deal with the animals, you know. They, 
they till and they treat the soil. You do that every year. You treat your soil, you know. You work your soil. That's like one of the biggest parts of gardening. You have to have good soil. Oh, tied it in the message. Okay, here we go. All right. So they pick all the rocks out of the soil, you know. We talked about rocky soil. We're in Arkansas. It doesn't matter where you go. There's going to be a dang rock, you know. Um, and so they're, they're taking all the rocks, getting it out of the way because we don't want that. And they use compost, and they do tons of other things to their garden to make the best, best soil, the best fruit and vegetables that will grow. And they do this every year. I mean, it's seriously the best stuff that I taste. I'm not saying that because it's my parents, um, but I'm serious. That's what they do they do it for and it does it produces amazing every year because they do all these things they spend so much time doing it but they're always battling one thing and if you're a gardener you know what I'm talking about they're always battling weeds weeds it doesn't matter if you get a bulldozer scrape off the top layer you know and then you put cloth down, then you put rock, and then you put soil. You're like, oh, the weeds aren't going to come. You're eventually dealing with weeds again. Right. You are. It's always happening. And it's the most annoying thing. I remember whenever I was younger, all right, I did actually have to help my parents garden, all right? My role now is whenever the gardening is done, I help them eat the food. <laughs> Call me a gardener, if you will. That's what I do, all right? <laughs> but... They do. They, they, they made me, and I remember my job was pulling weeds, and I absolutely hated it because it was all the time. We'd get all the weeds out, and by the time we got to the other end, there would be another weed sprouted up. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is dumb. Like, who's going to sit out here and do this all the time, you know? And so they're always dealing with weeds, even if it, they're, they're not even showing they're still there, you know? You're always having to deal with weeds, with the thorns, all right? And so it talks about the weeds grow and choke the word of God, all right? So you have all this. We hate this. Man, I don't like it. We do not like it. That was supposed to be up there when I was talking about gardening. We'll just pretend it was. So... Anyways, all right, so the promise, write this down. You're like, gum, we're already at the third point. Holy cow, we're cruising. All right, but here we go. We're going to really jump into this. All right, the promise over your life can actually be choked by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. All right, we're going to break down those three things. Because I think they're really, really important to talk about when we're talking about our hearts, all right? So we're going to start talking about the word care, all right? You think care, you're like, oh, it's caring, he's, he's this loving. Well, if you do some digging, you'll actually figure out that the word care kind of um, comes back from two different words, and, and that is divided in mind. That is kind of like the meaning of cares, cares, all right, divided and mind, all right, everyone say divided mind, divided mind, all right, 
So the cares of this world come from a divided mind, all right? So a lot of people, and a lot of Christians too, I mean, just this, this is throughout the entire world. A lot of people and a lot of Christians deal with things like anxiety, worries, depression, right? Stuff like that. And, and, and here's the thing. As Christians, we're not immune to that. We still deal with that, okay? And the reason is, is because we have too many options here in the world. Does that make sense? There's too many options. There's too many things. There's too many choices. A divided mind. We can't decide. All right? We just can't. There's too many options. And as Christians, we go, well, we have Jesus and all these other options. It's true, guys, right? It is. I know it because I go through it. I, I, I do. I have all these options, and I understand it. There's this guy, okay? He is a handball player. You, you guys know what handball is? All right? It's, it's kind of like, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a weird, not weird sport, but it's kind of cool. It's kind of like tennis. You hit a ball off the wall, and it has to go across this other line, and hit the ground, and then the other guy has to hit it, and so they go back and forth until someone messes up, all right? So there's this guy, and he was a one-handed handball player. One hand. Everyone else had two hands. He had one hand, all right? So he was going, and, and he just found this thing, and he loved this sport. He loved playing handball, and he found out that he was actually really, really good at playing handball. You know, it's amazing. He was going and he was just like these, these minor leagues were starting of handball and he was just jumping into it and he would win one and okay, I'm pretty good at this and then he would win another and then people started getting the attention and he was just going through and just obliterating the competition. And as years started going by, he got older and older, he actually started jumping into the, uh, the state uh, competitions, all right? And so he would win his division, and then he would win his district, and then he would just keep going and going and going, and he just had this huge following, this huge crowd this, that was just in love with this dude, and it made, it like made a bunch of people mad. Like, obviously, um, he was just better than them, and he never was losing, all right? Well, he finally got to the state championship like, this was it. This was for his state. This was it. This was the big, big thing, all right? He gets up there, and he just blows it out of the water. Blows out his first heat, his second heat, his third heat. The guy that came up was the reigning champion, was his last opponent, and just destroys him, all right? He obliterates him. And so, you're like, where are you going with this? It's okay, I'll get there. Um, he... He went up, and he was talking to a news reporter, and the news reporter was just like, okay, I've got to ask, how are you so good at handball when you only have one hand? Like, they just blatantly asked it. I was like, okay. They come out and ask it, and he laughed, and he said, um, well, it's because of options. And, and the news reporter's like, what? 
what do you mean? Um, and he said, it's, it's options. In sports, and there's, there's so many times in sports and, and hunting, you know, if Buddy was up here, it would be hunting, um, and just all these different other, you know, things, these sports, you have a split-second decision to make, right? You have a split-second decision to make, or the play will be over, or, you know, you might crash your NASCAR, or you might, you know, miss the pitch, whatever. If you're, are you going to swing or not? Well, in handball... You have to make a split decision when that ball hits the wall and comes and hits the ground. You have to make a decision, well, which hand are you going to use? And so the reporter is like, okay, I get it, but what are you still talking about? Like the reporter, like, really, guy? You don't know? He goes, options. I only got one, you know? And that's why he was the best. He didn't have to sit there and think. He just knew, all right? He knew. He didn't have to worry about, well, which hand am I going to use? And and that's where, in those split-second decisions, we mess up, where the other players mess up. We have too many options, all right, as Christians. Too many options invites confusion, right? It's just, what, what, what do I do? Do I pick out these pants to wear with this shirt? I didn't have to do that because my wife picked out my outfit, thank the Lord. I would have been up here in, like, sweatpants, and y'all would have just made fun of me. Chris Tedder would have been throwing tomatoes because he said he has some. Um, But, you know, we just have too many options, all right? Jesus and all these other things. And so it invites confusion. And when you invite confusion, you create, we're creating this atmosphere for anxiety, for worries, for depression, for all these other things. Because our mind's divided, right? Does that make sense? I'm not saying that no one would face that if Jesus was our only option, you know? I'm not saying that it just wouldn't be out there lurking and, and just trying, but here's the thing we would have the upper hand if Jesus was our first option on that, on the anxiety, on our depression, on on, on just all these things that we can't decide. So when our only option is that I am hungry for the will of God, it's what I need, it's what I want, that's all it is. That's all I want. We have that upper hand. All right? It gives us the upper hand. And so Jesus, Jesus says it like this in, um, in John 4.34. It says, my nourishment, or everyone say my food. My, my food, my bread. It, it comes from doing the will of God who sent me, all right? And from finishing his work, okay? My nourishment, my fuel comes from the will of God, all right? So when our only option is to eat what the will of God has, what God has for us, we do. We get the upper hand. Amen. And so think about, it, think, think about it this way. Sometimes 
the will of God is sour, just bear with me, it's sour and bitter to the taste, but it's always pleasant in the stomach, always pleasant in the stomach, all right? But the will of man, the flesh, okay, we hear, we hear it called flesh a lot. The will of man will always taste sweet because it's what we want. We're selfish, right? But it turns bitter and soured in the stomach. Does that make sense? And I love it. God doesn't want us to be comfortable, right? God wants to take us, and, and sometimes the will he has for us takes us out of our comfort zones. He doesn't want us to be content in one spot because God still has more things that he's going and going. And so he doesn't want us to sit there and be comfortable, and sometimes that's like, oh, really, God? You want us to do what? Like, I ain't going there. I ain't doing that. Let's do I'm not going to speak on Sunday. What are you talking about? All right. <laughs> But it's always pleasant to the stomach. It always brings blessings. Amen? Even if it's something we don't want in that moment, God will always bless us for doing the will of God. But the flesh, that's us, that's us dummies, okay? Bear with me. What we want. And, and I said we're selfish earlier uh, because... I know I am very selfish. <laughs> I'm a selfish person. Um, I say that because you might look at me and you're like, oh, Nano, you know, you do. My wife says that I need to learn how to say no sometimes because I'm always like, someone's like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing I am selfish. Um, and it was really bad whenever I first got married. I was a very, very selfish person. Um, I wanted a lot of me time. <laughs> And our, the first part of me and Bethany's marriage, um, it was kind of hard because of my selfishness, because of the way my heart was wired. My heart was wired in that season with the cares of this world. Does that make sense? Next, <clears throat> next we have the deceitfulness of riches. Thank you, Bo. I'm just going to let you go here from now on. So, we don't miss anything, all right? So, next we have the deceitfulness of riches. And so, uh, I already talked about, uh, I spoke that Victor did a message on the fool last week, and this lines up with what he taught like crazy good, right? So, he was talking about the fool, um, and not the fool like pity the fool. Um, he was, <laughs> thank you. All right, so <laughs> um, he was talking about the fool. This is, so this is someone who is deceit, this, this, is, this person is deceitful by the riches, all right? Neither riches nor poverty create heart. Don't matter if you're rich, don't matter if you're poor. It does not create your heart. It reveals it. Amen? 
don't matter what you have, how much you have, doesn't matter how much little you have. Your heart doesn't have to be tied to that. All right? So much of wealth, and guys, I don't know about you, I want a lot. I like, I want, I want, I want. But if you sit back, if you step back, and if you actually go on a mission trip, I mean, it will blow your mind. We are blessed beyond what you can even imagine. There was a, there was a, a, a little town, uh, I think it was called Demerara in Trinidad that we went to. And uh, this guy was so excited to show us what he had, what his house was. He said, I just got it done. You know, this is what you do. You just gather what you can. You build a house. And it literally was cardboard. And he was so proud of himself. We are very blessed for the things that we have. Mm. All right. So wealth is used to create image right? Well, what is image? Okay. Image is the soulish attempt to create identity, right? It's our, it's our soulish, our selfish attempt, I should say, to create identity. It is the counterfeit role of creating the identity in the life of a believer, Think about that. Our wealth is tied to our image. Our image is what creates our identity. And our identity, it's counterfeit. Because that's, right. that's not what our identity is. Right? Amen. It's My identity is not in what I own. It's not in the title I have, like Vic was saying, like it just lined up so good with this last week. It's not in, in my car or anything. My identity is that I am a son that was adopted by the ultimate father. I was a daughter. I was a son that was adopted by the ultimate father. Right? My identity is in the one who called me to himself. Okay? That's what I am. That's what my identity is. And so the deceitfulness of riches is that it creates a sense of entitlement and identity that is deceiving to us. It's not what we are. We ain't rich. We ain't poor. We are adopted children of God. We are the babies of God. And that is amazing. That is what your identity is, whether you like it or not, all right? Because you are a child of God, all right? Ooh, that's good. All right. And so everything else that we get, Victor talked about this, everything else that we get is just bonus, all right? We are a child of God. Everything else is bonus. It's just bonus. All right. And so, the last one, the last little point in this scripture is, everyone say it, the desires for other things. We're going to try that one more time. 
the desires for other things. There we go. Woo! You guys got it. All right? So, um, in, another, in another text, in another language, it means right here, and all the rest. Okay? Does that make sense? It, it, it was a list that wasn't even important enough for him to make the list, right? It's all the other things, the desires for eh, everything else, right? All right? Jesus didn't, he didn't, I love, he didn't even make bother, you know, make bothering making a list because it wasn't important. Because what is important is that in this heart, all right, in this soil, we'll call it, there is an appetite for things outside of which, you know, what God would provide. All the other things. It's not in the will of God. He wouldn't provide that. It's, it's the flesh, the things that we've, the sins and, and all this nasty junk that we've created, but we just get fallen into, we get pulled in, and that's what we desire for all the rest, and it's not anywhere close to the will of God. It's outside what God would provide us. See, so many of us would be happier if, if we were in our current condition, if we were put in some broken just ruined, impoverished place in the world. If we were just, everything we owned, everything we got, picked up, set down here, we would be good. We would be so much happier. happier. We would be doing so well. You're like, why? Why? We'd be so well compared to everyone else. You know, you take... If I were to get everything that I had and go back to Trinidad and to Demerara, I wouldn't have a worry in the world. I'm serious. I wouldn't have a, a bank statement to worry about paying. I wouldn't have, I, I, you know, just all these things. I wouldn't worry about my clothes. I wouldn't worry about how I looked. I wouldn't worry about all these different things because when we're, you know, it w it's just crazy to think about. I wouldn't, I would be on the top. And I hate to say that, but that's sometimes how our brains get wired, you know. We would be doing so good compared to everyone else if we were in that situation. But because our friends have the nicer house, <laughs> our neighbors have the 2023 truck that just came out, and it's not even 2023 yet, Makes no sense to me. Not going to get caught on that one. It makes me mad. But anyways, they, they got that, that come out. Um, you know, you have that family member or that person that has the perfect family. You know, you have all these things. Your coworker has the better position. But the issue of comparison is the problem here. The desire for other things that we don't have. Whatever you want to put there in that list, all right? It is pursuing things, the desires 
for other things, is pursuing things outside of the dominion of God. It is. Take a deep breath, because like I said, I'm talking to myself, not just at you. This hurt me too, okay? All right? And so, if, if I could just buy that house, if I could just have that car, if, if I could just have that type of marriage, if I could just have that position, I know I'd be happy. If I could just have this, have that. And what happens is the appetite for other things to satisfy, we pray for them because we want it to be in the will of God, right? But the appetite has pulled us out of our lane. We're outside of the will of God because it's pulled us that way. All right? And the appetite itself is what fuels those weeds, those thorns that choke out the will of God in our lives, the promises that God has over us, that, has, that he has for us. All right? Y'all still with me? Yeah. Making sense? All right. And so here we go. We got the last one. And everyone say, good soil. Good soil. Yeah, we get to talk about the good one now, the deepest of everyone. We made it, you know? All right. So we talk about the good soil. And it says this. This is Jesus still explaining what this means in Mark 4.20, and it says this, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Amen. 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 We have the good soil. Those are pretty flowers, right? Like, I wish that's what my backyard looked like. It ain't. I have a German shepherd tears holes in it everywhere. Anyways, this is the good soil. This is the heart. And this is what my desire is for me. For my heart to look like, not this, but you understand what I'm getting at. For my heart to look like what Jesus is talking about here. All right? And it's my desire for all of you too. Okay? My desire is that when I hear God's word, that I will accept it, all right? And I will allow it to grow, okay? Not just accept it and then it, it, it doesn't grow because the soil's not deep, all right? I will accept it and allow it to grow. And it will not only go on to bless me, okay, but because my heart, my soil is good, it will go on to bless me, my wife, my daughters, my son that's coming soon, my friends, my family, my church, my community. That's what he's talking about whenever he says, whenever he says right here, produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Because I'm allowing that word, that seed that God put in my heart to grow, and I'm, I'm nourishing it with the word of God, and, and my heart is in the right place, it's not only going to bless me, it's not only going to get me to where I need to be, it's going to get 
um, I'm going to be able to share that, and it's going to share that word and bless my wife and bless my kids and my, my family and y'all and our community, and you're just going to see this, this amazing product that is exploding in our community because of God's word that he spoke. And it can look like this. It, it could come from one of our little guys back there. It can. Amen? It don't matter what age they are. They hear God's word and they're letting it grow. It's going to spread. It can come from any of y'all. Okay? It could come from the one guy that likes talking too much at Walmart. <laughs> you know? If their heart's in the right place, it's going to produce so much blessing. So much blessing. So here's the thing about the good soil, though. All right? We have to work to get good soil, right? Especially in Arkansas. You just don't, you just don't walk outside your door and go, and you're like... That looks like a good place to start a garden. I'm just going to throw some seeds there. Okay, here we go. We have an amazing garden. That's not how it works. Just not going to happen. You want that to happen, you're going to have to move somewhere else. I don't know where to tell you to go. It's not going to happen. You have to work hard. You got to work. You got to break that soil up if it's hard. All right? Thank you.